Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. Um, I want to jump right into our message this morning. It's a message called Realignment realignment and it is part of our uh, running yellow light series and so where are we going with realignment well here's where I'm going Um, lots of times you know if you're a vehicle owner you just know that at some point your tires are going to wear out on your car right and when you go get a new set of tires it's a great idea to get a new set of tires but when you put those new tires on those wheels If you just leave the wheels just like they are, there's a good chance that since the last time you had it done, those wheels have tweaked and turned, and now they've gotten themselves out of alignment. So you put a new new set of tires on a set of wheels that's out of alignment, guess what happens? Those brand new wheels begin to wear. If you don't don't realign those wheels, then what's going to happen? Well, you know what's going to happen. The, the things are not tracking right. So instead of, instead of this individual wheel rolling the way it's supposed to, tracking the way it's supposed to, it gets towed in or cambered or whatever, and, and it's wearing in a way that wears out the tire prematurely. Well, what happens when you got four of them like that? You've got a car that's designed to take you from here to there, but the thing is fighting itself the whole way. Why? Because the wheels are misaligned. They're not pulling straight the way they were designed to do. In 2023, in the United States of America, in our culture, um, I think that, that one of the yellow lights that we have to pay attention to, the caution light that we have to pay attention to, is living our lives in a way that is so misaligned with the purpose that God created for your life. You can be going a million miles an hour, doing a million great things, but it might not be what God planned for you to do. You can wear yourself out prematurely. You can fight against what God's called you to do, and he doesn't want you to spend your life in that direction. So today, I think God wants us to go into his word and see how it is that we can realign our lives with where it is that he wants to take us. So that's going to take us right into our series memory verse. And I hope you've been spending a little bit of time with this over the last week. Um, But our series memory verse, if you're new here, every month when we start a new series, we choose a verse. And I'm encouraging everyone in here to learn this verse. Get it down deep inside of you so that it comes out. if we could go ahead and put that verse on the screen, we'll read it together here. It's Proverbs 27, 12, and it says, The prudent, come on, read it with me. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Man, so if I'm a prudent person, if I'm a wise person, and I see that I am using all of my energy, all of my capacity, everything that I have, doing a certain thing, but it doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't fulfill me. And it doesn't feel like it's bringing any fruit to the kingdom of God. Then I've got a decision to make. I've gotten good at this. I have made a name. Maybe my identity is in the thing that I do. And I'm so good at it. And I know how to do it. And it's easy. But what does the verse say? The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. Maybe this morning God wants to bring some things to the surface in your life. Maybe he wants to show you some things that you've gotten good at that you're known for, but he wants to challenge you today on is that his will for your life? Is that the direction that you really should be going in? And so think about this. 
How awful would it be to spend your entire life busy, in a hurry, working hard, exhausted, pouring everything you have into something and get to the end and find out, man, I wasted all of that. That's not what God built into me before I was born. That's not God's purpose for my life. Like I had an inkling that there were some things that God wanted me to do, but I just always did what I wanted to do. I just always did what felt natural to me. How awful would it be to stand before King Jesus and he says, okay, um, all right, Jeff, now when I look back at the records, Jeff, when I, when, when I, when I designed you, I built this into you and I knew I was going to put you here and I knew you were going to be here in this time frame, because the, these people were going to need you and it was all built into you. But you didn't do any of it. But Jeff, tell me about the big red machine. Oh, you mean Johnny Bench? You mean Pete Rose? You know about the 70s Cincinnati Reds, but you don't know anything about the things that I built into you? How ridiculous would that be? Man, God doesn't want us to get there. So, this morning, I want to take us into a passage of scripture um, found in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. That's going to be home base for us. And so, so the question that we're going to find is, how can I align my life with God's will? So look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it to you. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the question this morning that we're going to dive into is simply this, how can I align my life with God's will? If you're a person of faith, there's a good chance that you've asked yourself this question. Like, like you hear things that say, uh, God knew me, God created me before I was ever born. God had a plan for my life. Have you ever had this thought, well, God, if you got a plan for my life, would you just tell a brother, can you just let me know what it is, right? Why, why I got to go through all these hoops and exercises? Why can't you just tell me? And the reason why is because with God, it's more about the journey than it is the destination. He wants you to get to know him. He wants you to pursue him. Because if he told you today, then you wouldn't see him again for six months. Or at least until football season's over with. Come on, somebody. <laughs> well, when you read Romans 12, the first word that pops up in Romans chapter 12 is the word therefore. And it's an old preacher joke. It's corny, but it says anytime in the Bible, when you're reading in the Bible and you see the word therefore, stop and look and see what it's there for. Right? So, so, so you see the first words in Romans 12 is therefore, and therefore simply means because of this, then that is true. So you got to go back a little bit and see because of what. And so uh, here's, here's the thing. What is the therefore, therefore? So in, back up to Romans 11. And in Romans 11, well, I don't want to spend too much time on this piece of it, but in Romans 11, Paul's writing this thing, and he's basically talking to Jewish people who had known that since Moses, the way that, that the Jews were supposed to connect with God was through following the system of the law and through the sacrifices of animals and all of those things. But then Jesus comes into the scene, and Jesus gives his life, and he dies, and he's the sacrifice once for all time. And now you got all these Jewish people who are like, yeah, but we had the law, but now we have this. 
And Paul is saying to them that, 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 that God has now made salvation available to everyone, not just Jews, but Gentiles also. When you see that word Gentiles, it just refers to every people group that are not the Jews. And so he's saying that, that even for Jewish people, if you will accept Jesus as Lord, Savior, Messiah, then you're saved, not through your works, but through your faith in Jesus. And so that's where we start. This, um, it can be confusing to a Jew who's been taught that, that we follow the law, but, but God wants them to see that he's provided everything. So when you go to the last words in Romans 11, look at this, verses 33 through 36. Beautiful words, man. Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. From him and through him and to him are all things. If that's the case, from him, through him, and to him are all things, would it not make sense that God's purpose and God's plan for your very life came from him, through him, and the purpose for your life is to him, to bring glory to you. He's telling you. So he says, therefore, because all of that's true, because you can't know God, God's bigger than you, whatever box you've put God in, he's bigger than your box, and he loves you, and he's created you, and he has a plan for your life. Then he hits the therefore. Now we can go into, into chapter 12, and here's where we start. I want to show you four things in chapter 12 that can help you to not run the yellow light not run the caution light and just live your life doing whatever feels natural, but to align it with God's will. Here's the first thing. My life belongs to God. Somebody say a better amen to that. Y'all kind of swallow that one like, I kind of want my life to belong to me. I like being in charge of things. Well, that's a good place to say amen and get out of the way and see what God's going to do with it. Romans 12.1. Read it again. Therefore, there's the first word. Because of all of that that I just said, I urge you, brothers... When he says brothers, that's talking about Christians. So ladies, y'all are not excluded from this. We're talking to people who are Christians. In view of God's mercy, that means he didn't give us what we deserve. Because of what he did through Jesus, he's appealing to us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Man, it's a mouthful in that little thing. There's a whole lot in that one verse. So he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What's he talking about there? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament and a person sins, now I'm separated from God because I broke the law and we all do and we all got this mess. How do I get straight with God? How do I get that thing hooked back up again so I'm in God's favor? Well, the law says go get this animal, sacrifice it, take a perfect spotless animal that has no blemish, firstborn, all of those things, take it to the altar, kill the thing, cut its throat, let the blood pour out, splatter the blood across the, offering, uh, across the altar. Okay, so that's what they did. What happened to the animal after all that was done? Well, guess what? The animal was dead. Paul's saying that in this world, in this new covenant, guess what we're to be? We're to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifice. What, if I, what is it that I have to sacrifice to, to, to worship God? Therefore, because everything is in him, through him, to him, because of God's great mercy, then I'm to be a living sacrifice. Man, i got to sacrifice all of that junk that's in my life that is stuck to me that's not of God. 
I need to lay down all of my plans that are leading me in a direction that's misaligned with where God wants me to go. Am I making sense to you right now? He's saying be a living sacrifice, and so I'm going to die to myself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That means I got to start my day saying, God, I need you to recalibrate me. I need you to realign me because I got out of whack yesterday. Anybody get out of whack on Saturday yesterday? Put your hand down. Put your hand down, Sean. You did good. I'm proud of you, buddy. What would it look like in your life? What would it look like in your life if you took on a challenge starting today that for 30 days, I'm going after God. What would it look like if instead of praying those prayers as good food, good meat, good God, let's eat, right? If instead of praying that, what, what would it look like if, if you really intently decided that I'm going to carve out time intentionally to pray, to listen to God, to tell God the things that bother me, to let God prick my heart about the things that bother him? What would that look like? What would it look like if for 30 days you decided that, man, I really do believe that the word of God is powerful and living, double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and, and spirit, bone and marrow, and I pick up the word of God, he's going to show me something. What would it look like if for 30 days you started reading the New Testament and, and, and you didn't need a seminary professor or a preacher or Google to tell you what it means, but the Holy Spirit of God lights you up and says, this is the way I want you to live. How would your life be different? What would it look like if for 30 days you decided that every day when I get up, yeah, I got a job to do, but that's not my identity. That's where I go to work to get a paycheck. And while I'm on the way, when I roll up in the sheets, I'm going to bless somebody when I'm in there getting my coffee and donut. And by the way, they have good, good donuts in there. Ask me how I know. You don't even have to ask me. You can tell. What about it for 30 days, man? I looked around and, and, and outside of my job, I'm trying to figure out how I can serve. What do they need in the church? What, what's needed in the community? What would my life look like if I aligned my life with the purpose and the will of God? But we're so busy with all the little piddly, shiny stuff that don't matter in the grand scheme of things that we miss out on the big things that God wants to do in us. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Man, um, then it says, Paul says, we are to be holy and pleasing to God. What does that even mean, to be holy? Like, like we get it, or maybe you don't, but when you see that word holy, you know what that means? Like God is holy, God's pure light, perfect, no shadow, no darkness, no sin, no evil in him. God is that way, and he's saying to us to be holy and pleasing. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought about how some of the old-timers' houses I've been in. Anybody had a grandma that had a little ceramic thing that sat in the refrigerator and it's like a, like a little, like a little small pitcher thing and she kept cream in that you pour into the coffee. Anybody ever, am I the only one that's ever seen that? Let's say, okay. Now you put that cream in that thing and that cream had one job. You ain't drinking that cream, right? That cream, what was the cream for? For the coffee. And it sat in the refrigerator and it didn't have no lid on it. Now, now, now what if you pulled that little, that little, that little mini pitcher of cream out and you got your cup of coffee, and the only way you're going to take it is with grandma's, grandma's pure fat cream. And you pull that thing out, and right in the middle of it, it's one of those big old honking green flies. Y'all know where those green flies come from, don't you? Don't make me say it. Right, right, right. That cream's got that big old green fly right in the middle of it. And, and grandma says, oh, don't worry about that. Hang on, honey. Gets a spoon, scoops the fly out, puts it out of the way. Now, you ready? No, grandma. No, I'm not. I do not want your cream right now. Matter of fact, I don't want any coffee anymore either. Well, why not, sugar? It don't have no fly in it. Yeah, but I don't know what else is in that thing. But I got the fly out. 
What about in our lives? If God wants us to be holy, what kind of junk is floating around in the middle of us? Like he wants us to be holy and blameless, live in a way that's pleasing to God. How much, how many green flies we got floating around inside our hearts, man? What are the things that we're allowing over and over? Why do we allow it? Because we're not focused on the thing that God wants us to live in as an extension of him so that when people see us, they see the light of God. No, we're not perfect. No, we're not going to not make mistakes. But we're people who have the love of God that is, that is magnified and amplified in us. We don't get there when we're so worried about all of the junk that we migrate towards. Man, your spiritual act of worship. That's what we're to do. So if we're going to live a spiritual act of worship, like, like we get it, we come in here and we can woo, hoop and holler, hallelujah. We know how to do the worship thing in here, but what does it look like for us to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God, a spiritual act of worship out there? Well, for most of us, it's going to require some change. Me included, man. I mean, I mean this thing's convicting to me as I read it. So here's the second thing. My challenge is to change. My challenge is to change. Some of y'all might not like this, but God wants to take you somewhere. He don't want to leave you still. You might be so happy with the way you are right now, but happy is not the same as fulfilled. Happy is not the same as content. Happy is not the same as resonating with the thing that God put inside of you to do that when you figure out how to do the thing that he wants you to do, when you change, you quit being stubborn and thick-headed and doing the thing you've always done because you think that's what makes you happy. God will show you you don't even know what happy looks like until you get in on board with his will. Man, he wants to take you somewhere. My challenge is to change. So if I go to verse two, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How do I be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Do not conform. Anybody ever seen the process of injection molding with plastic? You know, you take a plastic trash can. Like we don't really have artisans, so to speak, building the trash cans in our culture today. They're mass produced. Well, how do they mass produce them? Well, they do it through injection molding, right? And with the injection molding, there's a process where there's a, a steel mold and they pour the plastic pellets in the, in, the, in the hopper and the pellets go into the hopper and then some process heats them up and then it becomes molten and it's liquid and then, then that liquid goes into the metal mold and so the heat is applied, now pressure is applied and then that thing cools down and when the mold pulls back away from it, you've got the thing that created the shape. What happened? Well, in the process, heat was applied and pressure was applied and then when the heat and the pressure backed off, you've got this thing that is conformed. And that's what happens in our culture. The culture that we live in is putting heat on us. It's putting pressure on us to conform to the ways of this world. Anybody agree with me on that? We are pressured to be just like the rest of the world. Uh, raise your hand if you're a parent in here. Parent? All right. Raise your hand if you're a parent and you have a, a child that's in school and that child has a cell phone. Come on. Come on. All right. Right, 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 right. How many of us? Have heard our kid say something to us. You don't have to raise your hand on this. But how many of us have had a kid that say to us, well, Daddy, I really I need a cell phone. I'm the only one in my grade that doesn't have a phone. See, that's what it used to be. Now, I heard it this week. I need to be on Instagram. I'm the only one in my school that's not on the gram. Come on, somebody. Bless your heart. How are you surviving, child? What are we doing as parents, though? Oh, that's heat. My kid, oh, if my kid doesn't have a cell phone, my goodness, what would happen when practice is over with and if they need to get me? I tell you what Brenda did. 
Brenda rode up in the station wagon, and if I was the only one still sitting on the sidewalk, I was the last one got picked up. If it was 3 o'clock or 9 o'clock, Mama might be doing laundry. Might take a minute to get there. Didn't nobody kidnap me. But we feel the pressure, don't we? We feel the pressure that our kid has to have. And we feel the pressure. I've heard, man, our kids have even said things like, well, older kids have, told, have gone to bat for our younger kids saying, you know, they really do need to have whatever the social media was because, you know, that's how all the kids, that's how they communicate. You're old, Dad. They don't communicate through text message anymore. It's through, it's through Snapchat or something. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just old because that thing ain't getting that thing. I know what that does. Now, that's not to say that our kids don't have social media. They do have some of it, but I don't like it. What's my point? Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. The world wants us to look just like them. It wants us to to see everything that they do and just follow their pattern. But God's saying to us, don't be like them. Be different. I mean, do you want to be like them? Do you see how much people argue and fight and take advantage of each other and hurt each other? Should the people of God not be known as people who are people of love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things? That's what we should be. It says don't conform to the world, but be transformed. Um, I remember taking the kids to Greensboro Coliseum when they were little, and uh, it was was monster truck day at the Coliseum. Any of y'all ever been to the monster truck thing at the Coliseum? First of all, that Coliseum's too small for those monster trucks, but anyway... I thought they were going to ride up in my lap. Man, the monster truck's doing it. They boom, boom, rolling, doing all this stuff. It was cool. It was cool. Mud flying everywhere. Then they have a little intermission time. All right, intermission. Let me go pay $24 for this small Pepsi. All right. Um, intermission time. So intermission, the trucks are off to the side. Here comes this little ratty, little old yellow Camaro rolling out into the middle. Boom, boom, boom. That thing rolls out into the middle. Next thing you know, the hood pops up on it. Then the doors pop open on it. Then the wheels start slipping out. Then that jugger, boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, old yellow Camaro is 40 feet tall. Blowing fire into the air, huh? Like what? What? We got a transformer here, man. Hey, The whole crowd, when God looks into your life, what you see is a little old yellow bumblebee Camaro and God wants to transform you into a fire-breathing monster that fights the gates of hell. Come on, somebody. Man, he wants to put that thing in you. But you can't be conformed to the ways of this world. You got to be transformed. And to be transformed, there has to be some change that takes place. And my guess is that, that, that for God to change you the way that he wants to, he's got to rework some stuff. There's some stuff that just feels good and natural. Everybody cross your arms right now. Everybody in the room, cross your arms. Now cross them the other way. Flip it over. That don't even feel right, does it? Chandler can't even do it. He can't even make his arms get crossed. It don't mean that it's wrong, it's just different. It don't mean that it's wrong, it's just different. It don't feel natural. God wants to do some stuff in you that don't feel natural, but it's going to get natural. And when you settle into the things that he wants to do in you, you're going to see what he can do through you. Your challenge is to change. The problem is, man, we make too many decisions um, out of fear. Too many decisions out of fear. I heard a, a a pastor this week say, you should never make a decision out of fear. But we have what? FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. We have fear that people are going to judge us. People are going to think certain things. And so we, 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 we conform rather than stepping back. God wants us to transform. Man, misalignment has us wobbling all over the place. But when we get transformed, it's all going to make sense. 
Here's the third thing. My purpose is his will. My purpose is his will. So if you go to the back half of Romans 12 too, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, God, I want to know your will. Why don't you just tell me, Lord? He said, I will. You see what that says? First word in the second part of Romans 12 too is then. It says, then you will be able. When? After you stop conforming to the ways of this world, when you have been transformed, how do I get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? Well, I got to quit exposing my mind to all of the things that have wired me in the way that I'm wired. I got to unplug some stuff. There's some stuff that's got to get unplugged and thrown out in the trash. And now I got to let God plug some new stuff. And when God begins to plug his word into my mind and he tells me that he is for me, he tells me that I am forgiven. He tells me that I have exceedingly abundantly more than I would ever dare need. He tells me that he has a plan for me. He tells me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I get my mind renewed that it's not through my power that I do things, but with the mighty power of God. He said, I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. When we plug into him, we stop being conformed. We start being transformed and we renew our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and perfect will. Say, so how do I know that, Jeff? I want that. Well, in church, we love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Well, that's a beautiful, amazing, wonderful, encouraging quote. But you say, how do I get to that promise? I want that. You got to keep reading. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Read 12 and 13. It's not on the screen. But God says to his nation through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And if you stop right there, big chunk of our problem is that we're not coming to God. We're not praying to him. We're not giving him the opportunity to listen and to respond. But then he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You want to renew your mind? You want to become a fire-breathing dragon in this world for Jesus? Then that's the way you do it. But you've got to slow down. You've got to unplug some stuff. You've got to put some new things in. You've got to trust him. The problem is that we've not prioritized the things of God. We've prioritized what's comfortable and what's natural and truthfully, what we want to do. So because of our misalignment, man, we're all over the place. And because we're all over the place, we're missing the one thing that God wants us to do. You say, Jeff, how do I find the one thing? How do I know what it is? And we'll begin taking you to a point right here. Here's the fourth thing, and this is what you're looking for. My fulfillment will come from operating in my gifting. My fulfillment will come from operating in my gifting. Big chunk of scripture here, five verses, not that much, but it says in verse 3, still in Romans 12, for by the grace given me, Paul says to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, you get that. You're with me so far on that, I think. You get it that in the body of Christ, there are people who do this and this and this and this. So, so he continues on. Um, 
So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Here's where I'm going with that. You know what I love about that, that passage? That list that Paul gave us right there, that's not an exhaustive list. In other words, that's not all of the things. You, you don't have to find yourself in one of those things. Like, like sometimes in church we talk about the gifts and, oh, okay, well, you might be an apostle and you might be a, a, a prophet and you might be an evangelist and you might be a pastor and you might be a teacher. And some of us look at that like, man, I don't know how to do any of that. Where do I fit in that? And then Paul gives us this list. And in Romans 12, he says, he says, there's somewhere that you fit in. In other words, what he's saying to you this morning is if you're someone who you're really good at sending a text message to somebody encouraging them, then send text messages and do it in a world-class le level for the glory of God. If, if you're someone who God has given you the gift of generosity and, and, and you might not be a rich person, you may just have what you have. It might just be enough to get by with, but, but God is constantly showing you people who are in need. And God, because of your generosity, seems to always give you something so that you've got a little extra to help somebody. Then, then help somebody. Be that generous person. Do it on a world-class level and do it to the glory of God. If you're somebody who can open up the, the Bible and the Word of God and you have an ability with people in your workplace to, to listen to people and they tell you all of their problems and you might not ever even open a black leather Bible but you can sit across the break room table and listen to what's going on with them and then God brings the word of God to your mind and to your mouth and you're able to speak to them and you see their hearts getting encouraged and the word of God doing something then do that and do it on a world class level for the glory of God. If you're someone who sees your neighbor who's a single mom and you can tell that she doesn't have any groceries and the kids are driving her nuts. Maybe, maybe the thing to do is to say, hey, let me keep those kids Saturday afternoon. And, and maybe you make it so she can go to the Olive Garden and get her one of those never-ending salad bowls. But nobody wants that. We really want the soup and then the breadsticks and then the big thing, right? Get the whole good thing. Let her do that. And then when she comes home, what, what, what if you call your husband? He's got four bags of groceries sitting on the front porch when she gets there. If you're going to do that, do it on a world-class level and do it to the glory of God. What I'm saying is there are things that God's created you to do. And it's not all about taking care of the babies back here and teaching Sunday school and being in a discipleship class. It's about being a light in a dark world. And you can do this. God's built it into you. But you're not going to do it if you live your life in misalignment. And you're not going to do it if you don't ever get on board with the one thing that he's created you to do. I'll close with this. 2004 Olympics. Guy named Matthew Emmons, most of us probably never heard of him. Um, he was amazing rifleman, and in the 2004 Olympics, he was competing in the 50 meter uh, three position rifle competition. And he was so good that as he went through his competition, they've been through all the preliminaries and the qualifiers, and he qualifies for the final round. He gets to the final round, and this is the medal round. And he gets to the medal round, and he goes through his shots, and he makes his way through all of his shots in competition, and he gets to the last target. And on that last target, he is so far ahead of all of the competition that all he has to do is aim his rifle at that last target, and as long as he, as long as he shoots and hits somewhere inside of the, the red circles, anywhere inside of the, of the ring, um, he's going to be a gold medal winner. So he gets to the last one. He sees the target. He takes aim at the target. He shoots, boom, right through the bullseye. 
And as he shoots through that bullseye, the buzzer does not go off. And there's normally a buzzer that tells the shooter that you've hit the mark, you can move on to the next thing. The buzzer doesn't go off. He starts looking around and realizes that he shot in the Olympics in the medal round and hit the bullseye on the wrong target. And hitting the bullseye on the wrong target took him from winning a gold medal first place to coming in eighth place and no medal at all. What's my point? He was amazing. And he was really good at hitting those targets. But in the end, he hit the wrong target. And he didn't win anything for it. You may be very good at what you do. You may be world-class in what you do. But God is looking to you to do the thing that he created you for. God loves you so much that he brought you here today to say, hey, I want you to just take a moment and just think about what you're doing with your life. And are you really doing what I created you to do? And if you're doing what I created you to do, are you making a difference? And if you're not making a difference, then the reason is because you're doing it in your own strength and not in mine. And if you're doing it in your own strength, then you need to stop doing that and start praying and trusting me and letting me work through you. Here's what I'm saying to you. God wants every one of us to be those fire-breathing, take-on-the-world kind of Christians that change the atmosphere around us. And he'll do it if we'll allow him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, right where you're sitting right now. I believe that the Spirit of God is speaking in this room right now. And I believe that he's showing some of us right now that there are some things that need to change in our life. For some of you, you want to take hold of doing everything that God's called you to do. But you've been doing it on your own. And I wonder this morning if there's a reality to the fact that you've never made a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you sat there and watched these guys being baptized and heard them saying they've decided to give their life to Christ and you realize that maybe you've been religious but you've never done that. Maybe this morning, in listening to this message, you realize that you're on your own program, your own plan, your own track. And God is nowhere present in your day-to-day life. He's saying to you today that this is your moment to change. I wonder right now, before we go any further, if there's anybody in the room with every head bowed and every eye closed that would say, Jeff, that's me. I'm lost, and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you're sitting right now? Anybody in this room want to accept Jesus as your Lord today? There are others of you this morning that maybe you've given your life to Christ and you're trying to follow him, but you realize that you've lost your way and you're too focused on things that really don't matter in the kingdom of God. And you realize that the voice of God has come into this room through the pen of Paul, through the book of Romans, and he's speaking to you today about making the changes that will help you to realign. I'm going to ask every person, stand to your feet right there where you are right now. Everybody in the room, stand to your feet. Our worship team is going to lead us in a closing song. And as they prepare to sing this closing song, if there's something that you need to give to God, if you need his supernatural power, you can't do it on your own. You need God's power in your life to help you to begin making changes, to realign and get going in the direction so that you don't miss the mark, waste your life, and come to the end having not done what it is he's called you to do. If God's calling you to step out of your seat and make a commitment and accept his grace and forgiveness, And start going in the direction he would have you to go. As they sing, man, come pour it out on this altar. Leave it here. And when you go back to your seats, be filled with a joy and an encouragement and a belief that things are going to be better and things are going to be different. You follow where God's leading you now.
Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. 